Good morning. How do you follow that? Amen. I'm just getting into preaching right now. My goodness. If you have your Bible, give your hands to Jesus, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. Title this morning's message is Through the Roots. Through the Roots. Interesting message, an excellent word. Um, seem to have
there's something that needs to be in the back. You can get to it. Okay, that's coming. Lord, we need our people to know that there's some place else to go besides this place where we find ourselves. We want to thank you, Lord, for how you know your word and protect your word. Your word, Father, is alive and well, Lord. It's a lamp to our path. And I pray, Lord, this morning, each and every one of us would hide it into our hearts. We might not be able to see it. And I pray, Father God, that as we look into your word, you would teach us how to get to it. You would bring us, Lord, to a closer connection and loving relationship with you. And I pray, Father, you would look at any of us who do not know you this day, even today. You would come into a relationship with us through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, for those that are watching our live stream, that they be today, Lord, they feel your Holy Spirit. They be today, Lord God, that they know that they need to get with you and your family and your people, Lord, to where through a mere gathered DNA, there you are. And I pray, Lord, you call them to you and get with you. I'm asking, Father, that you do business in our hearts and our lives this morning. For those that will be walking in soon, Lord, for those that are rebellious now and doing it willfully, I pray, Father God, that you get with them. I pray, Lord God, that you would cause them to understand. And I pray, Lord, that you would come right beside them and speak because they really need to hear from you. Bless us now. Speak to us. Open our hearts and ears. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The Bible says, verse 1, And again he entered Capernaum to Capernaum. And after some days there was a herd with him again following him. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room for the Jews there, not even near the door. And they continued the word to him. When they came to him, bringing a paralytic who had stayed about four men. When they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Come. Your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, saying, How is it that man can be thus made perfect? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he, being a paralytic, arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anyone message is entitled, Through the Roof. Now there are some problems with packaging things like this. Before, Jesus had popularity had begun to rise, fame is going throughout the country, and thus, people are wanting to package their sins. That's never happened before in the United States, has it? No, it happens all the time. Whenever God starts doing something, whenever God starts working in the church, people start to come. Why? Because they want God to do something in their life. Did I get an amen on that? They want God to do something. They want to see God doing something. I don't know about you, but that's the whole point of coming to church. I want to see God working in somebody's life. I want to see somebody stand up and walk again. I want to see somebody get saved. I want to 
see somebody become part of God's church. To me, it's all a ministry. Amen. No, they want you gathered around and they want to see what's happening. They wanted to see what's happening. Not just that, but some of them genuinely had a hunger for the word of God. They were desiring it like a baby does news from all angles of all ministry. They wanted to hear it. Could you imagine what it would have been like to listen to the living word preach the word? The Bible says there in Mark chapter 2, he preached the word to them. Could you imagine what that was like to listen to him who spoke life? The one who said, let there be life. And listen to him preach. Could you imagine what it must have felt like to hear him? What his words must have felt like as they washed over your soul? Could you imagine that he spoke those words? I wonder what he said I wonder what he was teaching on as he looked into the face of those that were hopeful, of those that were sinful, of those that were prideful, of those that were in complete rebellion, and of those who did not believe. What must it have been like to look him in the eyes, but to hear those words? In fact, it was said of Jesus over and over and over again, never a man spoke it was also said of Jesus when the uh, authorities go out and arrest him and they come back empty-handed, they're saying, never a man taught like that, but he teaches with authority. Authority isn't always loud, amen? Authority means he taught with certainty. He taught in a way they weren't used to. There was no reaching out for praise. There was no, I'm looking for someone to agree with me. There was none of that. No, he spoke with complete Certainty. How do we know that? Because he is the living word. Amen. Could you imagine what they felt that morning as Jesus spoke to them? This is what we call the human side of God in the flesh. I wonder what it felt like for Jesus to step in and speak to those people. In fact, sometimes he lets us get a little bit into him. Sometimes he says, I look at these people and they're like sheep without a shepherd going astray. And he begins to speak. He begins to speak. He begins to preach and to say, so this is what we're God's going to give him all the rest of the day. But he gives us life. He sees your pain, everyone. He knows your pain. He knows your struggles. It's real. Trust in me. wonderful thing to me. The Bible tells us there is a different sort of joy. Obviously not a baptism of joy. Not giving baptism 400, but I get it. You know, I love Baptists because I like to make fun of Baptists. And the reason why I make fun of Baptists so much is because I am a Baptist preacher. And you know, if it had been a Baptist church, not only would it have been four people, there have been 400 trying to carry that guy, but there was at least 400 standing in the doorway. We love to block an aisle like no other church I've ever seen. If the fire marshal ever comes in here on Sunday morning, he will never get us on our doors or exits. He'll get us on the people thronging in the doorway. He'll say, that's a fire hazard. We'll be like, no, we're not. The only fire hazard we have is keeping people out of hell. Amen? Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. Isn't he good? Our God is good. 
People were thrown all around. They were dying to hear the word of God. They had come and left the comforts of their home. They were standing and they were listening to those gracious words of life that morning. And the Bible tells us that four people come carrying a man on a mat to a bed. That's what they came to. And they come up to the Excuse me, would you please move? And in like Street Baptist fashion, they turned around and said, Well, I'm hugging. I'm hugging her neck. I want to say hello to him. And so eventually they could no longer wait. And every while they moved the tent to the bed. The Bible tells us the tent was tied. So the tent took Voice must have been calling. That voice must have been ringing. That voice must have been calling out that man on the mat. They must have been crying out with health, with prosperity, with healing, with relationship. Can you imagine what he heard in the voice of Jesus Christ for the first time? He heard hope. He heard hope in the voice of Jesus. Oh, if only we could develop the attitude of the paralyzed man. Oh, if only we could get our hearts set like that. Oh, if only we could get our minds to start thinking, it doesn't matter what's in front of me. It doesn't matter who's standing around. It doesn't matter what's blocking my way. I hear the voice of Jesus, and i got to get to Him. We're looking at point number one this morning. It's called you might have some obstacles in your life, and you think, I got to get rid of these obstacles to get to Jesus. I got to clear them one by one. Well, we're going to talk a little spiritual truth this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about what God is doing in the life of this paralyzed man. And incidentally, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, you are paralyzed. You can't walk, you can't talk, you can't see, you can't hear. The Bible says you're dead in your sins, and you need a resurrection to He who is the living way, the truth, and the life. This is possible this morning. Just as we speak. And you might be sitting there in your chair this morning, and you might be looking in on life here this morning. You say, there's people blocking me there's people keeping me from coming to the house of God. There's people that are frightening me. There's people who say things bad about me. There's people who are judging me. There's people who are looking at me. There's people who are whispering about me. And your obstacle that stops this man on the mat is Jesus. It's time for you to learn a lesson from the gospel of St. Mark. It's time for you to take a page literally out of his book and start saying, you know what? It doesn't matter how many people are around Jesus. I need to get to him. And if you sit in your chair this morning, you might say, I haven't received Jesus into my life. I can't do that yet. You need to learn from Paul People can't stop you from getting to Jesus. You need to develop that mindset, that heart set, that it doesn't matter how many folks are around. It doesn't matter what people are saying or what they're thinking or what they're doing. 
in the night. Not a one of those people cared about that guy on the mat. Not a one of those people turned around and paid him much mind. They were just as much enthralled with the words of that aforesaid man as he was. To them, that guy coming through a mat was a nuisance. To them, that guy coming through on the litter, those four guys, was breaking in to the family dignity. They were hanging on every word of Jesus. And we need to get that kind of mindset again today. We need to get to the point where nothing can distract us. When Jesus speaks, we should be all ears. When Jesus speaks, we should be listening. When Jesus speaks, we should be hanging on every word. And that's the moment those people who were hanging on the word of Jesus began to agitate. They had become a roadblock to reach another person. We're going to find that Satan inadvertently become roadblocks to people asking about the gospel. How do we do that? Well, number one, sometimes churches promise to become roadblocks. Did you know that? You want to know one of the roadblocks of a Baptist church that often gets in the way of people? Believe it or not, and I'm not preaching against anybody this morning, but sometimes we judge people too harshly on what they wear. Well, I guess I need to amend in a Baptist church. Sometimes we judge people by the perfume they wear. Sometimes we judge people. We're not trying to hurt their feelings. We're not trying to be mean. But sometimes we judge people by the way they look. Sometimes we judge people on the past that they had. Sometimes we judge people and become a roadblock to the gospel. Have you ever been there before? Are you there right now? Has anybody ever spoke to you and said, you're keeping me from coming to Jesus? Say, wait a minute. Guy goes up on the roof, and you know what? Amen. Thank God for that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Let's look at the second hospital this morning. The second hospital was in the way was a house. Of course, as you know, that house only had that one door. Only had one door, and they couldn't get in because people were in it. In the house, they were coming out the door. They were lined up, waiting to get close to Jesus. Maybe they wanted to shake his hand. Maybe they wanted his autograph, or maybe just they just wanted to get close that wonderful voice that they found comforting, that they found coaxing, that they found pleasing to. Well, the next hospital we came to, that we saw a great sight. A happy sight. A safe house. Where we were safe. A happy hospital. Can I be spiritual for a minute? I'm not a very spiritual guy. Let's be honest with you. I am very much down to earth. I don't want to be high and lofty. I don't want to appear unattainable or unreachable by anybody. I want to be right where you are. Sometimes that's how we treat the gospel. But what do you mean? Sometimes what we do and sometimes how we treat the church building becomes an obstacle to people in the gospel. I want you to know that God does not reside in God's congregation. He resides in His church, and the church is the people. Okay? The church is God's people everywhere, and He resides in them. The Bible tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are. And we're supposed to be living like we are the church all the time. Isn't that wonderful? But as we talk about churches being obstacles to people, we forget sometimes that we're the living church. And when we're not living like a church, we become an obstacle to people too. When we're not living what we preach, when we're not actually living out what we say we do, then we 
because of the situation. Let the Lord help us. So we have people that are obstinate. Whoever houses are obstinate, I love to be back here. They took the book around here. They must have been anything other than Baptist because they wouldn't give up. They went around the people, couldn't find another way in. They went above the people, got on the roof. And the Bible says they opened up the roof. Now, whoever owned that house was probably not going to be very happy at that time. They opened up the roof. Let's just be honest with you. In those days and age, they had indoor fires. They had indoor fires. They didn't have a cast iron stove. They didn't have a fireplace like we have. They had a fire pit. It was usually in the middle of the house or somewhere closer to the side. And they had a hole in the roof that would act as a chimney. And sometimes they would put sticks on top of it to keep animals and birds from getting in. But it would still allow the, the smoke to get out. And so if you get your mind going here, what you're thinking is they get up on top of this thatched roof and they start removing those sticks. And they start removing the thatching around that smoke hole. You can't really call that a chimney because it's just a hole that's through the funnel that the smoke out. And they have to go begin to dig in that hole. It was big enough for something like that. That's got to be a big hole. How wonderful time today. Put the ropes under his arms and throw his mat down in front of Jesus and then let him down so he just lays down. But today, laying down level had to sit down. If he did that, that had to be one big hole in the roof. But it doesn't matter. James let him down through the roof. See, they're obstinate in their mind. I'm not going to say all specifics. Sometimes our prayer life is going to speak of the ability. Sometimes we think we can't do it. Sometimes we think no matter what we do, we can't make it. I want to talk to you about that for a minute. You remember Moses. I love the story of Moses. How many of you know that Moses was quite an old child when God called him to the ministry? How many of you know that Moses had an obstacle that we don't want to talk about? As elegant as he was, as forceful as he was, as authoritative as he was. Can you imagine how authoritative he was when he walked in the presence of Pharaoh and he said, Thus saith the Lord God, let my people point where he could not speak anymore. What about some other principle that some people might have in there? Pastor, my arms don't work. Pastor, my legs don't work. You know what doesn't work for me? I'm your pastor. You know what? It works really well for me sometimes with my mouth, but you know what doesn't work good? My tongue. I have a hard time controlling that thing. Amen? Don't we all? Sometimes that tongue will give you a world of hell. And it's time for you all to learn in front of the people that God can't help me with this anymore. Oh, God can't help me. Oh, God won't help me. Oh, God doesn't want me. Wrong. Wrong. It is the will of the Father that all would come to a saving knowledge through Jesus Christ. Let's talk about that for a minute. Obstinate. What in your life? What has been keeping you from coming? What has been keeping you from building your house of faith in God? You say, well, there's too many people, Josh. It's time for you to get up and come on to the roof. Say, Josh, the house is too big. And I don't want to put a hole in the roof. I want to remind you there's already a hole there. Because there are people there in front of you. And they've already left the hole. 
But Josh, I don't have the ability to do so. Yes, you do. As we learned in school, just a little bit more time. And you begin looking into obstacles thrust in your way. You might be thinking two things. They won't make room for us. I want you to know that there is room for you at the cross. I want you to know that when you come to Jesus Christ, there is nobody better than you. When you come to Jesus Christ, there is nobody worse than you. When you come to Jesus Christ, there's nobody who receives more blood or more healing or more Holy Spirit. We all are equal in the sight of God when we come to the cross. Every one of us are just children, and every one of us need to be born again, and every one of us need a dose of the Holy Ghost, and every one of us need to come to a saving relationship through Jesus Christ. We are all equal in God's eyes. And it doesn't matter what is going on in your heart or in your life. When you come to Jesus, we are all the same, whether we're Moseses or whether we're that paralytic man. What's in your hand? The Bible tells us it's not by what you can say anyway. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9, that it is by grace, through faith, that we are saved. The Bible tells us in Galatians 2, 16, that it's not of works that we get saved. And it doesn't matter what you can or cannot do. It doesn't matter if you can walk or not walk, if you can run or not run. It doesn't matter if you're big, small, short, or tall, loud, or soft-spoken. It does not matter. doesn't say to him, son, get up and pick up your mat and hurry. He says to him, son, put your hand up. That's the difference. And that causes quite a stir in that house, doesn't it? Everybody turns around and says, who is this that can forgive sin? Well, the good news is we've read the rest of the book. We know who Jesus is. Hopefully we don't have to. We know that he is God Almighty. We know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and we know that Jesus has the power to forgive sins. Now, Jesus is going to shade up and talk to this man a little bit differently. His idea was to come to Jesus and get healed. His idea was, I'm coming to Jesus, I'm going to be able to walk again. And you might have been saying that for years after the retreat. I want to come to Jesus, but I'm not coming to Jesus until I can walk again. I want you to know that Jesus addresses a problem first in this man. Before he addresses his physical problem, Jesus addresses another problem. That problem is the one we often overlook because we don't apply it to ourselves hardly ever. Jesus looks at that man, and he doesn't say, you can't walk. He doesn't say you're weak. He doesn't say you're not a whole man. He doesn't say you're not welcome here. He doesn't say anything like that. He says, son, your sins are forgiven because Jesus addresses the real problem going on in his heart. And you might be sitting in that pew saying, I want God to do something for me. I want you to know that Jesus isn't doing anything until you come to terms with a real problem in your heart and in your life, and that's called sin. There's a sin problem in each and every one of us. We often try to hide it in our physical infirmity, but the truth is, is that every one of us has a sin problem. And sin, church, is what causes separation from God. Sin, church, is what causes us to need that cross. Sin, church, is what causes God to draw away from us. 
saw a little bit. He came looking. You might come looking for Jesus this morning. And you might be standing outside the house. And you might be saying, I want to go through the roof. But when you get to Jesus, he's just going to say, I see and feel sorry for you. He's just going to say, you got to get your sins forgiven. Jesus is more worried about the Can you not for a second? Jesus is more worried about whether or not he's going to heaven than whether he can walk. Somebody say amen this morning. Because it's better for you to enter heaven maimed than it is to go to hell as a whole person. Yeah, praise the Lord. Jesus said, I want to address the problem in your life. The problem is sin. It's not whether or not you can walk. It's sin. Because what happens is that you take our infirmities and make them crutches, don't we? We turn our infirmities into crutches. Quickly, we say, I can't worship you, God. I can't serve you, God. I can't listen to you, God, uh, because I've got some kind of problem. And Jesus said, the problem you got to worry about is sin. Everything else then I can work around because, let me tell you another spiritual truth. God's strength is glorified when we focus on our weakness. Amen? When we let ourselves be weak, God becomes strong in us. What's really wrong in this man's life is sin. Look at Job. Some of his sins are forgiven. You saw the story. They immediately start saying, who can forgive sin? And I wish that Jesus would answer that question. Instead, he says, why are you reasoning in your heart? Which is it easier to say? Son, your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat and begin to walk in the city what do you think the difference is? You come this morning saying, I want God to tell me, pick up my mat. When Jesus said, I want to tell you, you can be born again. You can be redeemed. You can have eternal life in heaven. And it don't matter if you can walk down here on earth. What's going to matter is you'll walk the streets of gold forever and ever, holding God's hand in the coolness of the day as a reward. God's God redeemed What's really wrong? Boy, we want to see that miracle, though, don't we? We want to see that. Pick up that mat. We think that's amazing. That's really what we want to see. Some of us know that it's actually the wicked spirit that uh, produces the sin, and it's he that never fails, isn't it? How many of you know there is no difference in the resurrection of the dead and somebody coming down this aisle saying, I want to put Jesus in my heart. In God's eyes, it is exactly the same thing. When you put Jesus in your heart, you become born again. You become raised from the dead. And it makes no difference. When you put Jesus in your heart and you can't walk, you've got spiritual feet that will take you wherever He wants you to go. When you put Jesus in your heart, your words become exactly what He wants you to say. When you put Jesus in your heart, He will take you where you need to be. Sometimes that means through a hole in the roof. Sometimes that means on mission to India. Sometimes that means just across the street to somebody's house sharing the gospel. What's really wrong? You know, I have authority to, to forgive sins. And it's funny, this time he doesn't say your sins are forgiven. He says, this time he says, pick up your mat. Why does he do that? Because in Jesus' life, they often connected to sin as problems in your life. We do that in church down the street, don't we? We look at somebody who's going through a hard time. We think, mm, that person must be sinning. Start moving away, don't we? We do it all the time. 
And then he was looking at paralyzed hands, and then I healed one of them. That's how serious this was. Maybe his mom and dad knew, but God punished him. Now, I'm just saying, what good is it? You know, we do that when we talk about abortion all the time. We want to punish that innocent man. But what comes to the other end? God forgive us. We want to kill that innocent child because he's in charge of the world. We want to kill that innocent child because of the way it was brought into this world. God, forgive us. God, forgive our nation. We should be bringing those children to Jesus Christ. What good is the apple in the eye of the needle? We talk about that all the time. Oh, there's got to be a reason and a circumstance for abortion. No, there is never a reason for abortion. There's always a reason to raise them and make them Christian. Who knows if that child will be the next William Carey? Who knows if that child will be the next Billy Graham? God knows we need more Billy Grahams in this world. And a lot less politicians. What's really wrong? Same problem. Same problem that he had. I want to see you heal me, God. Jesus says, you want to be healed? Get forgiven. You ain't got no more problem when you receive the grace of Jesus Christ. When you get blood-bought, born again. When you know that you have a citizenship in heaven. When you know that you have a mansion on high, on a hilltop. Then nothing else on this world matters. Amen? What's going on in these people's lives? They thought somebody must have sinned in this life. They thought, he must have sinned. No wonder they didn't want to let him around Jesus. No wonder they were hesitant to let him heal him. You know, that mindset still goes on today. Well, we can sell it into a, well, there's people around here. I can sell them something like that. And then say, you have a feeling that it's going to happen. I got news for you. You did sin. So did I. So did the rest of us right here. Listen, the days will come when we're going to have prideful, stubborn Christians. When's the last time I sinned? Been in this church. When's the last time I sinned? I went out to eat and had some food I didn't like. First thing I thought was, that ain't good brown bread. I had sin in there. Want to know something else? Don't don't you know when Satan comes in and grabs you by the throat and wants to cut you off? Pastor, are you cutting me off? No, no, no. I know. Go back to church and have an Oreo, amen? Take this Oreo, Oreo cookie. We got two of those, those dark cookies on the outside, and we got the cream in the middle. And that's called a marching story. The marching starts a story. And then in the middle of that story, then we'll insert the cream, and then we'll finish that story. This is Mark chapter 5. You know the story quite well. He's got a 
synagogue ruler. And his little girl is sick. He's a righteous man. He's so righteous because he has forgotten righteousness that we will never, ever, ever know. He is so righteous, so clean, so holy that when he walks, if he walks in this church today, we would actually move out of his way instead of standing there blocking him. He's a holy God. And he's full of the Spirit. And you know what? His little girl got sick just like he did yesterday. His precious little girl. Who would you get me with? And he says, I want my little girl to win every beauty contest. I want my little girl to play the piano. I want my little girl to be in martial arts. I want my little girl to be confident. I want my little girl to grow up thinking she can. I want my little girl to be anything she wants to be. And daddy's going to make sure she does to be a holy Imagine the fear of this. And they put her up and they put her in bed. And she's burning up. They put the damp cloth on her head. They touch her chest. And she's burning up. And immediately, that synagogue ruler, that righteous man, says in the audience, God, have mercy. God, save my little girl. God, please don't do this to me. He went running down the street. He went running, and he got close to Jesus. And the Bible tells us he gets close to Jesus. It's Mark chapter 5 now. And he gets close to Jesus, and he gets on his knees, and he says, Lord, my little girl is sick. Please come to my house. Please put your hands upon her. Please heal my little girl. And Jesus agrees, because let me tell you, Jesus loves the little children. to be born again, the ability to leave that life behind. 
Paul is targeting his body right now. The body says, I don't want to be in that church. Don't come to that church. Stay here for my life. This is Big, no, I like to look at the four of them. Maybe there's one for each corner. Who knows? 
Last time I did a, a funeral, we had eight called there instead of four. I mean, what it did to six. You, and I needed to do eight, and I know it would keep going the way it was going. We're going to have ten and twelve called there. What can we do? Know, Lord, that now's the time 
daily strength that they need to come to Christ. There is no obstacle that can keep them away, whether it's their own infirmity, whether it's time, or whether it's the teaching of the Bible. Give you the strength to keep on going. Give you the pain to not leave you.
and get up here right next to the Baptist church. We've had a couple of decisions that we need to deal with. And somehow, uh, God is using you. I'll tell you what, I'll come on over here to you. Church people call you right. And I met Audrey uh, several, several years ago. She was married to a, a friend of mine who worked on Audrey's unit and Audrey's unit with me. And so I carpooled with Audrey for many years. And through that relationship, I got to be with daughter Mary. And Mary came over and became a part of your car back church while it pastored them. And I had the honor of being married to the daughter of that Audrey Pastor. But she came this morning and said, it's a lot closer to go to Cox Cove than I have. And uh, but I also spent a lot of time with Audrey as, as his wife. And the church uh, a long time ago did not permit Audrey and I to be able to be married to Mary Audrey. The church at that time said, you need to do more than that. I want to be a part of that. And Audrey and I went that route. So, we will love her, pray for her, and support her in the ministry. Would you say amen? Another decision on this church that we need to make. <laughs> this is Sister Penny. Church has been coming for quite a while. Today is Mary Thomas's birthday. Happy birthday, Mary Thomas. She also wants to join us now here by baptism. We will pray for her, support her in that decision, and support her in